And if you could fix the uh, handoff between the rest of the company and procurement, I want stock in the company because I, I don't know if there's anything more maddening than having a great sales experience, having it handed off to procurement and everything going to hell. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. All right, so uh, so Jason, we've got a uh, a special guest with us today. Um, today we're joined by Nicholas Vandenberg. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur and is currently the CEO of Chili Piper. Uh, Chili Piper's mission is to reinvent the scheduling, calendar, and inbox apps, which are the main tools used by revenue teams. Um, just like us, the the firm is one hundred percent remote, with employees in thirty five cities in fifteen countries. Um, Chili Piper is currently used by more than 300 of the leading B2B SaaS companies worldwide. So, Nicholas, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Before we really dig into, you know, we've got a, t- a couple topics we want to talk about today, a couple areas that we align on. I um, want to give you a chance to, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, your background and what led you to, to take the path that you're going on. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, as I'm sure you uh, will guess very quickly, I... Uh... Grew up in France, in the south of France. Uh, I came to the uh, United States in the mid '90s uh, with the idea of um, <laughs> traveling the world. So, you know, we talked about remote companies. I love traveling, and it was my idea. I was saying I'm going to step, stop at Stanford, do a couple of years there, and then I'll move on to Asia. And uh, and when I hit the floor at Stanford, uh, one of my classmates, Steve Jefferson, um, invited uh, Steve Jobs to talk to us. So uh, Steve at the time was uh, running Next, uh, which was uh, the joke was that it was going next to nowhere. And uh, and he sat. I remember that joke. And he, and he sat on the floor and um, and. Uh, very humbly describe uh, what was happening and what he was working on and and i looked at him and i thought this is amazing uh, that's what i want to be when i grow up i want to be a tech entrepreneur you 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 just decide uh, what you're going to work on and then have, uh, hopefully thousands of millions of people uh, using your technology so that completely changed my life i uh, stopped my plans to go to uh, my next step was supposed to be Hong Kong, and to these days, I've never been to Hong Kong, actually. So he got interrupted. I stayed in the Bay Area, and I started tech companies, and uh, and I've loved it ever since. So uh, I've, I've had some good exits. Um, at some stage in my life, I thought, uh, you know, uh, I should be a VC, a venture capitalist, because that's what uh, entrepreneurs become when they grow up. Uh, and then I realized that it was not for me. I just love operations. And what I love... Uh, particularly in operation is sales. I, I started, uh, I funded my college with uh, all sorts of selling activity, including selling newspapers. And, and uh, as often in life, when you love something, you're good at it, or maybe it's the other way around, right? So uh, I, I was out selling all these other uh, street boys, uh, selling newspapers. Uh, I'd come back, I'd sold like four times more than the others. And... Um, and when I started my career, I worked in management consulting. Um, so I was working with big companies. And same thing, I would go and sell these big assignments. Uh, to the, I mean, I was 25, and you get these senior people who would buy million-dollar projects from me. So um, when uh, more recently, I, I um, thought it was time for me to start another company, I thought this time I'm going to do something that I'm really passionate about. And uh, and um, that's what led me to do something around sales tech. So more specifically, <clears throat> I was helping a friend in a big telco company running a sales team. And I could tell um, that the state of the art in sales, that's just a few years back, uh, hadn't changed much. 
So at the time, I was trying to get the sales team on Salesforce, and they were reluctant to use Salesforce. Uh, anyway, you, you, it's very common, right? People say if you if if you don't put your opportunity in Salesforce, you don't get paid. That's, that's how extreme it is, uh, you know. And I thought this is crazy because you know I don't have to tell my daughter if you don't use your iPhone, uh, you won't get food. You know, <laughs> she uh, she just loves it. She wants to use it, and so tech should be that way. It should be uh, that salespeople love it, and you give them tech that they love, not that you threaten not to pay them if they don't use it. So that was the, the, the core idea. So I'm going to build tools that help salespeople. And when you look at um, what salespeople use every day, it turns out uh, surprisingly there is very basic tools. They use a calendar, they use email, they use phone, right? And they meet people. There's no, uh, like an, if you're an accountant, you use accounting software, which can be reasonably complicated, right? If you if you HR, you have all sorts of HR processes. But if you sales, the the processes are just based on the basic tools, inbox, calendar, and phones. So I thought that's what we need to reinvent. We need to reinvent the, the and it makes sense. The way I thought of it was okay. So my professional sales team used the same email client as my ninety year old mother, right? And that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's great that she's able to use email, but they should have a tool that that caters to them. Same thing with scheduling, same thing with uh, calendar. So that's how we got started. And uh, once you get started on the high-level um, thesis, it's very dangerous because you are at the risk of building something that nobody wants, right? Because this abstract view that things should change doesn't make a successful product. It, it makes it makes uh, a nice theory, maybe to raise money or something like that. But but uh, at the end of the day, you need something that really solves the problem. So when we started with Heat Piper, I, I um, interviewed companies and and I uh, searched for a very specific problem that was not solved. And the way I could tell if it was a real problem is by having companies prepay. So I went to one particular company called Five Stars. They came to me, actually, and they said, we have this problem of scheduling in the context of uh, prospecting because we need to assign the meeting to the right person. And so we need to do some round-robin distribution combined with scheduling. And it's complicated, and we spend um, 10 minutes for every meeting to book, and there's a lot of mistakes. We, we need to automate that particular process. So I thought this is perfect. This is uh, they're willing to pay upfront 20k, uh, which is enough to get started. Um, th- it's a strong pay point. It's narrow enough that uh, I can do it in a few months. And um, I ask other companies, "Do you have the same problem?" They say yes, and we got started. And once we went the business, then I thought, okay, now I'm going to go f- after bigger problems. Right? So what bigger problem? And the the one that came very early on. It was staring in my face, and to these days, I don't understand why uh, other people, uh, well, why not more people um, decide to address it. It's the inbound problem. So the inbound problem is the following. Companies spend a lot of money bringing uh, leads to their website, so sometimes millions of dollars. The leads come, especially B2B companies. They ask to fill a form, contact us, or request a demo. They click Submit. They get a page to say, thank you, somebody is going to call you. And then they left wondering who is going to call me and when. And I remember a few years back before I started with Chili Pepper, I, I did exactly that with LinkedIn. I submitted the form to talk to a rep. And a week later, I called LinkedIn and said, nobody's called me. And said, are you sure? And I looked at my phone and there was a 408 number. But I didn't pick up the phone because it's it's uh, nowadays you don't pick up phone numbers that you don't recognize, right? Yep, I'm with you so, on that. So, so the... the, the I mean, I was motivated, so I went back to them, but it could have just fallen through the cracks. So we solved that problem, that inbound problem. What we do is that we do an intelligent agent that goes into the page, and when the prospects submit a form, in real time, we take the data, we qualify the prospect, we find the rep that should be, uh, that is the right rep for this prospect, we dial the rep, and we dial the prospect. And if it's not possible, then we retrieve the calendar from the rep, and we uh, display the available time, then the prospect can just select a time. And uh, it was actually quite complex to implement because you have to integrate with marketing automation, you have to integrate with, integrate with CRM, you have to integrate with forms, so the, the multiple moving parts. But it was worth it because uh, what I found is that these companies, 
we are losing more than half their prospects in the process. So, uh, it, and it's amazing because uh, they were happy about it. So, so I had people tell me, "Oh, I'm converting in about at forty percent. Don't touch it." And 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 I thought, do you mean to say that out of a hundred people who asked to have a meeting with you, sixty did not? Right, right. But it's always how you you frame it positively or negatively. Converting at forty percent doesn't sound awful, but losing sixty of the hundred who want a meeting with you does sound awful. And and you say, well, that's nonsensical. How could could people say that? And the reason why they um, were happy with forty percent is because of um, reference points. So if you are a salesperson and you have SDRs processing the inbound, typically you're also in charge of SDRs processing the outbound. And the outbound, the conversion rate is more like 2%, right? You're doing a lot of emails and you get 2% of meetings. So 40% looks very good, right? If that's your reference point. And, and, um, and if I come to them and say, but you shouldn't do 40, you should do 80 or 90, um, at the beginning with problem to get them to believe us but eventually <laughs> we had some companies last segment do an a b test and they proved that it was the case i have another case study now with SaaS optics uh, where the, the their marketing operations uh, says exactly that it, it was at 40 percent it got to 80 percent so that's so-called product that's that's um, <clears throat> we call it concierge um, which is a funny thing because it's a french word but in french it means the person who cleans the stairs so it's the English uh, way of concierge, the person who helps you and takes care of you, and you know books your books your meetings and your mm-hmm. and your and your uh, venues. So that's how yeah. when I hear of it, I think of like the concierge level at a hotel. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. That, that in the website you can't have people constantly there, but upon from submission, there's a, an intelligent agent, this concierge that takes care of you and connects you with the right people. Mm-hmm. So that, that's our core business. And now we're about to announce uh, our next wave of products. Uh, we uh, have done something around the inbox. So the inbox is actually uh, been challenging because uh, it's one thing to say we should do a better inbox. Another one is to say, what, what is it that I do better? So there were a lot of tools already to uh, help around email, such as tell me who has opened my email. I'm sure you guys use, use something like that, right? So you send email, say, who has opened my email? Then do a little template. So insert a template in email, and that seems reasonable. Then there's been a kind of a little industry around the display Salesforce data directly in my email with a Chrome extension. So there was a company called Sirius Insight and other companies providing these features. But that seemed uh, marginal, right? I mean, it's helpful, but it's not a thing. So, we thought long and hard about what it is that people, sales revenue teams need in their inbox that um, they don't have right now. And we think we cracked it, but we'll find out very soon. And the answer is um, coaching and collaboration. So you're a rep, you got an email, somebody says, hey, I'm sorry, um, the crisis hitting us hard. Uh, can you do quarterly payment or can we postpone or can you uh, make an exception and, and do that? Or uh, we don't want to engage now, call me back at the end of April. Whatever objection you, ha- you have, and if you think of it, uh, so you know, we're a team of um, about a dozen uh, reps right now, right? All of them constantly get these emails and, and companies don't pay much attention to it. Companies pay a lot of attention to calls, call review. Oh, let's listen to the call. Why did you say that? Why didn't you say that? But you know, for one call, you have about 12 emails back and forth that you're going to exchange. And what you say in the email matters, obviously, right? I mean, I've had, uh, I've had renewals in the current crisis that got saved because we, we reply with an email, the right thing, and that re-engage. Um, email is a stronger way to communicate as a call, and yet there's no attention paid to it. So that's what we're doing. We're doing a coaching inbox where uh, you can, uh, um, me as the, it's not only me, but uh, um, anybody anybody in the rep team can ping me and say, hey, what do you suggest I do there? And I can come and advise and, and we can work together and then send the email and, and see how that goes. And that is uh, broad. So that person can also ping our CTO and say, hey, uh, they're asking for this particular feature. Uh, when do you think we can deliver it? And the difference is <clears throat> you could ask this question on Slack, but within the email, you have all the context. 
so you see the threads with all the questions and discussion, and it makes a complete difference. Because if, if you say uh, they, they want to pay quarterly, you're like, listen, we don't do that. But if you see all the thread of what happened, the laying of people, they 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 try, they say we have my CFO has said no, right? You get all the, the background information, then you may have a very different answer. So that's that's uh, what we're about to launch. We're going to make it on um, um, the free uh, beta access uh, in the second quarter, second or third quarter, and then we'll uh, go there. So I'm very excited about it. It's it's um, it feels. Uh, our number one value at uh, Chili Piper, you know, we have company values, is help. And it feels helpful. So it feels like we've achieved something if we can help people. Yeah. And, and it seems like you're, you're helping both sides of the equation. I mean, the, the obvious um, help is, is on the sales side to be able to help have all of that stuff in, in one place and make those conversations more efficient. But I have to imagine there's a huge help to the buyer as well. Um, and I'm sure you've seen this a lot more than we have, just the changing demographics and expectations of buyers that want a better sales experience. And part That's of that right. is having much more cohesion in the communication. Um, it's going to make a much hopefully nicer experience for the buyer where these conversations are now all all together and it's not well let me go talk to my boss and the boss comes in and says okay so can you fill me in on the whole history of what you guys have talked about what are you talking about i've been talking to you guys for two months yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right there's nothing worse than that the person coming in so tell me more about uh, what you do and say yeah you want to meet a... again <laughs> yeah. yeah we've been talking forever you should have notes on that so <laughs> no that sounds that sounds really really fascinating on on that note how much of how much have you thought about that component the experience component and and again you're you're probably looking at a wider set of buyers than than we have um experience with but the the buyers that that i'm having conversations with and and just so you know my background's the complete opposite of yours i hated sales forever and i'm like i can never sell and then i started a company i'm like uh oh i have to now be our number one salesperson so i better learn to like it um but i've been finding that the buyers are have changed a lot just in the seven or eight years that, that we've been in, in business where they want more education. They want to, to that point, more cohesive conversations. They want a softer kind of partnership. Um, how much have you talked about being that help component, um, thinking about addressing the need for experiences that, that uh, buyers want uh, great experiences? Uh, absolutely. And, and, uh... The, the the concierge solution is uh, very much. Uh, it, it's an interesting thing. I'll I'll tell you, uh, Jason, because uh, when we first launched concierge, we position it as give a much better experience for to your buyers. And I'll tell the truth, they did not resonate. So you would think that people are aware of what you said, but it's not the case. So right now with our concierge solution, if you're a buyer, instead of getting a thank you page, somebody's going to call you and wonder what's going to call you. In real time, you're connected or you book a time. So it's a wonderful experience. But but um, when we went to companies and say, hey, give your buyers a better experience, they didn't care so much. But when we said convert uh, at 80%, they said 40%, that worked. So it's interesting. I think this trend that people start to understand that the buyer's experience matter, but but they still just focus on their metrics and numbers. Um, so we, we, we do both. We basically say, let's make sure that the buyer has a great experience. And then when it comes time to pitching, we say, it matters because you convert better. So uh, it, will bring you, it will bring you more, more dollars. And you're right, our inbox is also about providing a better experience because you, you're going to get, as a buyer, receive emails that are much more uh, um, qualified. So they're emails that are much more thoughtful, uh, provide the right information, provide the answer in, in, in fewer, uh, fewer cycles. The big thing, uh, so we have a lot of tech companies as customers. The big, big difference uh, right now um, is the ability with cloud solutions to switch from one cloud solution to the other super easily. And that wasn't the case. So when I, when I uh, before I started the Chili Paper, I, uh, I was a CIO for a company temporarily. Um, so I was running all the IT for this telecom company. And um, my predecessor deployed Oracle Apps. And when it, it, this was a five-year contract, right? And he had about 17 apps. Um, 
the first year was all around deployment. So when you deploy 17 apps over five years, this is it. You're not going to uh, change. Now people come and say, I'm not going to renew. Uh, I see it's uh, March, March 23rd. Uh, I'm stopping. I go to your competitor and I turn it on. You use OAuth, right? The process to just connect and uh, things are connected. You change a couple of things and boom, you have a new solution. That is completely changing the dynamics now. That obviously that gave birth to um, customer success. So people say, no, it matters that I actually have my customer successful. At Oracle, it didn't, right? It only mattered five years later, but uh, who was going to pull out uh, all this software and prove another one? Um, so, so now it does because you can switch so quickly. So uh, the tools we're building are very much along these lines of, uh, of uh, supporting that trend of providing the buyer a much better experience. Yeah, and I kind of want to um, dive into that a, a little bit more. One of the things that, that we've been trying uh, and working on, so personally, I use uh, Superhuman as my email client, um, and they have this phenomenal onboarding process that just blew me away. Uh, so I've been trying to create something similar where, with our clients as they go through the sales process, sign with us, and then we have transition over to our services team, try to have a cadence of emails and communication. It's easy for us to do it because we're low volume. To scale that up would be terrifically hard. Is that something you foresee maybe the platform helping out with as well, that it can also help out with onboarding and other workflows? Yeah, very much, very much. Uh, I think the uh, <clears throat> onboarding process is uh, something where uh, a lot of improvements can be made. Uh, it's fundamentally a collaboration process, and yet the, we've actually tried uh, to use different tools to make it better. So we're still researching uh, the most effective way. At some stage, we said, let's, let's do a Google Doc where we, we track all the different steps. Then we... we tried a tool that was designed for the onboarding to to help it in the end our email um, we do our email solution is going to help uh, automate the right steps and what we do also at chili pepper is what we call um, distribution so the assignment the right assignment so that matters a lot because you don't want to have to wait right so we close the deal you want to get uh, hooked up with your cs rep and you don't want to, have to wait. So we do this, this reassignment in real time where, okay, this is now moving to the next step. We call it handoff from one team to the other. And we automate that process. So there's a lot more to do, but we're already doing uh, some important parts in that process. Got it. And if you could fix the uh, handoff between the rest of the company and procurement, I want stock in the company because I, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything more maddening than having a great sales experience having it handed off to procurement and everything going to hell and then coming back and things being okay again. It's so, it's one of my pet peeves. Uh, I'll tell you how we deal with it uh, and people don't like it for us. Uh, we don't get people started until they pay. All right. So procurement uh, plays the usual game and so that. And then you go back to your champion and you say, look, uh, procurement is delaying things, right? And bo both on the pre-contract and payment. And you've got to get your champion to say, this is, I need that stuff. That's the only way, right? Because you and I cannot go to procurement and say, hey, move faster. They don't care. Right. So, uh, so that's what we do. We, uh, we say, look, uh, you're in a good position. You're internal. You're, it's your only procurement team. You can go and push them. So I'm going to rely on you to do that. But I'm with you. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, one of the big pain of the industry. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, Jim, I don't know if you're keeping us to a strict... Uh set of topics or if we can pivot to other things i'd really love to talk a little bit about remote um as well if, if you're kind of open to talking about kind of why you you chose to remote go remote thoughts um obviously right now with everyone we know being remote if that's having an impact on on how remote is looked at and, and things that you may be doing um specifically in the remote space i um, love to spend a little bit of time talking about that yeah so people uh Tell us we were prescient, right? To come up with uh, everybody working from the home. And actually, at Chili Piper, we are remote, but we're not all working from home. Um, I, obviously, I am today uh, because uh, I'm in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and we have to, uh, but we encourage people to have an office and go to an office. So the question is not to save an office. There are two simple idea, um, ideas when we started. One is that there are talented people everywhere in the world. 
So I'm a big believer, you know, and you, I'm French. My uh, wife and co-founder is Romanian. Uh, we here in the U.S. Um, you hear a lot of people say, oh, I don't know. Ro Romanians are so different, they do this and that. But at the end of the day, talent is talent. And somebody who's going to build a beautiful uh, piece of software uh, can be from anywhere. So that was the first thing we said. We're going to hire people. Um, our talent pool is not going to be restricted to location. It's going to be everywhere. And then the second piece is, um, I think I mentioned Italina and I love traveling. We, we just lo love it. And um, when she had a corporate job, um, she was very restricted. People said, no, you cannot be gone. You have to be in the office. And uh, I thought that doesn't make sense. So now we, uh, we tell people, not only we hire you anywhere you are, but once you've got the the offer letter from us, you can move anywhere you want and at any time. So you mentioned one of your staff members going to Thailand. We've had actually uh, one guy from England moved to Colombia. We were on Zoom, so he showed us this beautiful background in Colombia. So uh, some people got Colombia envy and decided to fly, <laughs> fly to Colombia. That's awesome. Next thing, we had uh, four people in Colombia, and then uh, two of them continued around the world. Now, unfortunately, everybody's uh, flown back home and, and retrenched uh, from the crisis. Um, but I hope it won't um, last too long. Um, enabling people to have this kind of life uh, is very satisfying. Yeah. Very satisfying. It so, really is. So that's, um, yeah, I think last count, at this stage, we're 42 uh, people in the company, uh, up to 36 cities and 16 countries. So we do have people in a lot it's of impressive. places, yeah, and um, and I have every plan to get to ten times these numbers, right? Yeah, there's still a lot of countries we haven't reached out to. So I'm interested in in your setup. So you you said not necessarily working from home, but the flexibility to work wherever. Um, how are you? I, I guess what is what is your expectation? Are you are you asking people to find? maybe permanent places or is it more of a cultural thing to say, Hey, we have a setup so you can go work at remote working locations or, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in kind of discussing that in a bit more. Detail. Well, this is a, an observation that uh, if you really work from home, uh, you, you have a reasonable chance to lose it. <laughs> so it's a, good, it's a good idea to step out of your house, uh, go somewhere else, your office and then come back. Uh, so, but not everybody does it, but we encourage it. We say we'll pay for it uh, and we encourage you to do that. It's, it's just uh, healthier. So that, that's um, what we, we, we recommended. Let's say, um, I say only half of our team members have offices, but uh, whenever somebody new starts, we say just, just, just um, see if you can find an office. And then of course we do everything on Zoom. Um, to do our video calls, everything on Slack to coordinate in real time, a lot of Google Docs, and we have this uh, thing that's working really, really well um, for us called decision memos. So I took a page from Jeff Bezos. So when he started Amazon, he said, I'm not going to do meetings the way other companies do it, where you sit down and say, what's the problem do they discuss? And they say, the problem is pricing. Okay, let's discuss pricing. He said, what? we are going to do is have one person write a six-page memo. And when the meeting starts, everybody in the meeting will read the six-page memo, which may take 20 minutes for an hour meeting. And then the rest of the time is discussing the memo. So everything is very well informed, has all the details, has had the chance to think it through. We thought, okay, let's do that uh, concept. And we say, um, Let's put these memos, and of course, we're going to use Google Docs, so the memo is online. And then something funny happens, say, well, why have a meeting? Why not work on it asynchronously? Because in Google Docs, there are comments, right? So instead of discussing, why don't we just discuss with via comments? So we write these decision memos, and people start commenting, extending the memo. The memos is on life, and it's magical. You, 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 you see decisions emerging super quickly from these decision memos. Uh, over time, uh, because when an objection is put there, some people have uh, somebody else is going to reply to the objection, uh, but everything is asynchronous, so there's time to research it. So it's not like, ah, oh, no, no, that will never work. It's um, 
this may not work because this company has tried it. Here's the link, right? So we have this this um, process to make decisions that works really well, and we use it for uh, um, decisions across the board. So our pricing, our software procurement, our naming, and and so on. Then, of course, the other thing we have OKRs, so objective key results. It's not, of course, because we didn't start with them, but um, we have a long spreadsheet where everybody's objectives and key results are listed. It's public, so everybody sees what people are working on. And we uh, don't tie composition to the OKR, it's just what the things that everybody's trying to achieve. Um, What's very surprising is that even at 42 people, at any time, I'm aware of uh, who's doing what. It's, it's uh, you know, y y we online, we we know, uh, I know the engineers are working on this thing, the uh, customer success is working on this renewal, uh, and uh, and um, people are always concerned about motivation, but, uh, and, and measuring your metrics. And what I'm finding is that uh, nowadays, everything is digital. Uh, you are, uh, you can very easily know if somebody's doing a good job or not, even if you are not in the same office. It's, 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 it's very obvious because the digital uh, footprint is, is there, right? You get all the all the, all the um, output is, is online. So um, so that's helping us a lot also in managing the company that way. So I, I love the meeting idea. I'm, I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm assuming the answer is yes, if you're seeing a much higher collaboration rate, where typically with meetings you have a couple of people that tend to dominate the conversation. Are you seeing a broader uh, set of people um, collaborating with this more distributed method? Well, there will still be people who are more opinionated than others. It's just how it goes, like uh, yeah. strongly. But for sure, that gives a chance for other people to talk, and and you avoid the uh, uh, syndrome of trying to sound smart in the room, right? Doesn't work. So, so uh, for sure, it's it's uh, you're able to gather uh, opinions for for a broader set. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I love that concept. It's it's something that. Um, that we've dealt with and we kind of ebb and flow and there there are weeks where i look at my calendar i'm like do we really need to be in all of these meetings um but i think a big part of it is that old corporate culture that's what they do everything has yeah. to be an in-person meeting and it's it's hard to change that overnight yeah not only that but uh if you don't do any meeting then uh, you lose this bonding, right? So you, you uh, people feel like they're no longer part of the team. So there's a, yeah. fine line, there's a fine line in making sure that people still For feel sure. part of the, For sure. of the group, yeah. So as, as, as part of that, what, what types of things do you do to ensure, you mentioned you're in, I, I forgot how many different, lots of different countries across huge time zones. 16, um, yeah. What what are you doing to make sure that the people feel connected? They're part of the team. Uh, it's it's one of the biggest pushbacks that I hear when I'm out there promoting remote work. People say that's great, but we really need to be able to bond as a team and have you know that that moment. So I'm I'm curious what things you've tried and what has worked to address that. We we do two things. We um, do a weekly meeting on Friday. So there's a bit of a compromise, right? So it's 10 a.m. New York, which means our friends in uh, California have to wake up and be online at 7. Yep. And our friends in Russia, uh, toward the end of the day, I'm not sure what time it is there, but probably like 6, 7 p.m. Uh, and in that meeting, we all together and we review everything we uh, have done during the week, sales, uh, one deals, product process. So that's a very important meeting to make sure that we all fit together. And then once a year, we get together in person. And that is uh, magical because you meet people you've interacted a lot with and meet in person for the first time. We go to cool places. So we've been to Paris last year, the year before, and Ibiza most recently to go party in clubs. You know, you, uh, <laughs> it's... It, um, it is a very, very strong experience. Yeah, no, I, I agreed. We've uh, we've been doing that as well. We've used, so in our industry, there's a, a large conference in, in Las Vegas every year. 
Uh, we use it as a good opportunity to get together. Unfortunately, this year it was, it was canceled, but um, we're going to look for an opportunity, um, hopefully in the not too near future, uh, to, to do that because we found that that is extremely important as well. So when you do that, is it, um, do you structure that? Is it more just getting together? What, you know, how do you best make use of that time? It's party time, right? So it's party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we structure it as this, make sure we have the most fun. In Ibiza, I booked a VIP room at the Pasha Club uh, for the closing, and we rented the boat. So that's how, how organized we were. Right? <laughs> awesome. That sounds amazing. Um, I'm interested in what kind of challenges uh, you've come up against from the, the remote perspective. Um, and especially now where you have both individuals that are kind of experiencing this remote thing for the first time and companies that have never um, even thought about it being thrown into and saying, figure it out. Um, what what things you've learned along the way and maybe what advice you would have for, for people that, because um, we have people that will, are, are going to be listening to this that are in that situation, never been there before. And we take a lot of it for granted that things just work, um, but seeing them get thrown into it, they're struggling with, some of the most basic things the, the um, number one change is a switch uh towards responsabilization so make people responsible as i mentioned earlier i know uh, at any time who's performing who's not so it's not the issue of measuring it's the issue of how do you go about uh, getting people to the right performance level and uh, especially in sales the common wisdom is that uh, you get together and you uh, just motivate people and they come on, do more calls and go get that deal and, 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 and uh, uh, like the, the, the cheerleader approach. And remotely, it doesn't work so well. So it's not how you do it. You do the opposite. You, you, resp- you give people autonomy and responsibility. So I have my reps on their conversion rates. I said, you you should look at your conversion rates, you should look at how well you do, and these are your numbers, and you're responsible for your numbers. And what we do as a company is give you the environment and the tools to improve. So if if you're not converting well enough, we're going to give you all the training and all the background and one-on-one coaching to improve, but you're responsible. It's not our job to be uh, cheerleaders and tell you, oh, come on, do it. If you're not making the conversion rates we have as a target, there are the tools to to use and and um, to grow yourself. So it's a very different approach. It's uh, much more uh, along the lines of you know you read a lot of around job satisfaction and people say that the, the top two criteria are autonomy and control. People want to have autonomy and control. Right? You don't want to be told what to do and uh, constantly. So that remote uh, setup. Is an enabler. I said, look, you're in charge. You you're working. We have a guy in Indianapolis, right? So I said, you're in Indianapolis. You do your calls. You do your pipeline. Um, at any time, we'll help you provide the tools. But we're not going to come and tell you, oh my God, you're not making the numbers and what's going on, right? This is your responsibility. We you, you uh, you're grown up. You you um, you understand that you want to improve, and, and we're here to help you. So it's a very it's a switch. It's on, uh, uh, mindset. It's a, we I've read the book um, on the growth mindset. I don't know if you guys read that, that book. The idea that to always think of uh, of the human being as uh, capable of amazing improvements and always phrase things in areas for improvement as opposed to problems, right? So it's like, yeah, I'm not dumb in math. I uh, have work to do on algebra, right? Uh, at the most basic level. And same idea, right? So it's like, let's not look at uh, what you've missed. Let's look at what you can improve and where you need to improve. And um, so that that's uh, philosophy, growth for, for everybody and, uh, and, and responsibility. So your responsibility for your own. Uh... And we, we also think that it's our job as a company to, to help. So we don't fire people based on performance as such so you don't say oh you miss your number three times in a row you're out you say you miss number three in a row this is because you don't do this and that 
right? And, you, and let's train you to do this and that. And the assumption we're not able to train you to do this and that, so look, we're failing for this particular reason, and, and this is it. But, but the way I think of it is like, uh, you can't ask people to do something if you, if you don't know how to do it, right? They say you close, I don't know, close 60K every, every, every month of, of new business. Okay, how do I do that, right? And if we don't know how to do that, then, then we shouldn't ask people and, say, and hire other people and say, no, you do it. So we, we, we um, have to provide the feedback and the tools to help people to get to their goals. And, and it's uh, only if we know that we're not going to be able to do it for different reasons that we think, okay, this is probably not a good idea. And um, in that case, what we'll try to do is to reassign people as much as possible. Because very often you find that people are not quite right in a particular position, but they have some other talents that could play really well in another position. Not always, but to the extent that you can, then it's great. Then it's double win, right? Because you get a great employee in another position and the employee is satisfied. So that has happened quite a lot at Chili Piper. We've moved the people from departments for the better. Hmm. Well, that's, that's very cool to hear. Um, and I think you bring up a really important point on, on autonomy. Um, everyone at, at 33.6, I think, as we were interviewing, said the same thing to me where they said something like, you know, I've, I've been in this industry X number of years. I, I, I just want to go somewhere where I'm trusted and I have autonomy to do what we need to get done within kind of the bounds of the, the culture of our, our company. And I think um, as you get older in your career, you start to value that that more. I'm wondering kind of our, our current crisis that we're dealing with where we have people now being thrust into this, if an output of it is going to be more people kind of get a sense of that autonomy and now have a thirst for it that didn't have it before, what's that going to do to the landscape of um, kind of remote, um, having that flexibility to work whenever, wherever? Do you think that there'll be a permanent change? Do you think we're going to have kind of a flood in the market of people demanding from companies that this be the new normal? So I think that uh, the way we operate and you operate is the future for sure. Um, these two reasons I mentioned that the global talent pool and the ability for people to work from wherever they are uh, are stronger than anything else. Um, a lot of companies are not structured to do that. They are structured with offices. And for the longest time, they felt well, it's impossible to do it differently. So that crisis is going to prove to them that it's not because we all know it's not. Those of us who do it remotely, we know it's not impossible. So from there, what's going to happen is going to be interesting. But, but uh, the, uh, I would think that it will play a good role in accelerating the change towards more and more uh, remote work, yeah. Yeah, it'll definitely be, be interesting to see how that, that plays out. Um, Jim, I want to give you a chance to jump in because I've like I tend to do get really, uh, really deep into these questions and forget that I need to let you, uh, jump in as well. No, no worries. It's, uh, this has been a, a fun one just to sit back and, uh, and listen to. Um, I do have two things I want to bring up. And the first one is a question I ask of, of, of everybody. So you mentioned you have, you know, someone based in Colombia, but the one question I ask everybody is, is what is the most off the beaten path location where you have someone based is there maybe someone you know a location even more exotic than colombia um we we did have these two ladies in our customer success team uh, traveling around the world so they would hit points so they went to cartagena around colombia and then, and then it's carnival and so one day they show up um this is carnival up in the mountains of, of colombia and they send a picture. So we have the thing where, um, on Slack, we have a Slack channel called Where's Chili Piper? And people <laughs> pe people post, you know, wherever they are. And like, and we we need one of those channels. That's an awesome idea. We do now. Yeah. Yeah. And all sorts of exotic. But the, the, the really fun thing was these two uh, ladies posted a picture with two guys from our, one of our top customers. And it turned out that, as luck would have it, our top customers, had, uh, two guys from there had went to this carnival, obscure carnival in Colombia. They ran into each other. Now, get that. They didn't know each other. They did not know each other. They say, what do you do? They say, I work for Chili Piper. <laughs> well, we, we use Chili Piper. I'm the, ad I'm, I'm the admin. <laughs> yes, I'm the admin. 
So in the middle of nowhere in Colombia, here's the admin of Chili Pepper and the rep from Chili Pepper getting together. That's amazing. Getting, getting a drinks. That, that was probably the most uh, unusual um, situation in, around the working remotely. That is an amazing story. That, that really, really is. Um, so, and, and to that, you know, when you were talking toward the beginning, you know, everything you were talking about, you know, it, you're, you've been working on designing and implementing some seriously complex solutions. Yeah. Like, you know, what you've been trying to do and what you've been trying to tackle seems very, very complex, but you've been doing it with an entirely remote team. Now, I mean, I know I've heard some objections to, to remote in the past where it's like, yes, you can do the, the basic to intermediate level stuff remote, but to get to the really complex stuff you need, everybody together in a single location or is this the uh, is this the collaboration objective that you can't collaborate on things yeah. that are difficult remotely exactly yes exactly you know um you know you you, you seem to go against you know the, the the properly held belief that you can't collaborate on very complex solutions without all being together yeah, so that turned out to be not the case. Uh, what we do find is that brainstorming is more pleasant in person, right? So occasionally we'll fly three people and do a brainstorm. And mm -hmm. you, I'll tell you the truth. You finish the brainstorm, you're all happy, and you think, oh, that was so good. Uh, we really need to do that. And then you look back a few months later and you look at the outcome of the brainstorm and you think, you know, that wasn't earth-shattering, you know? <laughs> it was just... It was just a nice brainstorm, and uh, some of it we and you could have achieved uh, the same thing uh, um, remotely. If you think of it uh, in code, the, so software code is one of the most complex activity, uh, human activity, and um, software developers have put together this process of doing code reviews because code is so complex. When you you have what's called a pull request, so you you uh, you say, hey. My code is ready. Um, I'd like to pull it into the application, but somebody needs to review it. And another person is going to review it. And that's probably, as I mentioned, one of the most complex human activities. And that has already been organized to be done remotely, in effect, because you don't need to review the code. Uh, or you can do it on Zoom, uh, screen by screen, and, and, uh, and discuss line by line. It's actually easier to do a screen sharing on Zoom than it is in person. So uh, what I mean by this example is that even the most complex activities have now been mastered uh, to be done remotely. So I see no truth to that uh, thing. What we do when we have complex, uh, right now we're sending some, some products with uh, interesting challenges. We're trying to make our automation much easier to set up. Right? So that's one of the biggest challenges of software is to make complex things easy. Uh, so it's not only to build something that works in a complex way, but makes it easy to configure. And we go with iterations. So we write documents, we write hypotheses, we try things, we uh, look at it, we say it doesn't work, right? And, and, and we have time, like I mentioned, to uh, work asynchronously, to read the document, think of it, and come back to it. So I'm finding the opposite. I'm finding that even complex things can be done very, uh, very uh, effectively uh, remotely. Agreed. And it's good to see uh, additional examples of, of this happening and really excited to see where you, you take the platform. I think there's a lot of um, amazing things that can, that can come out of that. Um, one, I think one last question that, that I have is, and this goes back to an earlier point where you mentioned not being healthy, being stuck at home all the time. Um, I'm wondering if you've thought deliberately or you do things to help empower your team to do things um, outside of work or to help make sure that they have that exposure or interaction above and beyond maybe just working outside of the house? Are there things that you're learning or the team is doing to make sure that they have kind of that professional interaction that you would get forced on you in an office that may be a bit harder working remote, even if you are in a co-working location? Um, the only thing we do is to encourage people to go to a, a, a WeWork office. Uh, like a, I, uh, I say kiddingly, uh, you have your colleagues from the company and then your colleagues from the office and they're two different people, right? So the people you, you, you meet every day are not the people you work with, but you can nonetheless uh, socialize, which is exactly what we did at uh, WeWork Brooklyn. We made friends for the people around us, even though they were not working on, on the same thing as we do. Um, 
then what I'm finding is that often uh, those who want to work remotely, uh, so this is still a new thing, and those who do it have the tendency to be uh, independent, right? So they do their own thing. So uh, it's quite the opposite. If you look at the Wales, Wales Chili Piper channel, it's a very busy channel. People go places all the time. Uh, you know, they go skiing to Slovenia or, uh, you know, festival in Colombia. And, and, um, and I'm, I'm finding that um, there's this kind of self-selection where people don't, don't need this extra encouragement. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure that channel also helps make people feel more comfortable to share what they're doing and, and motivate others to your point. Like it's so much so that people relocated down to Columbia because they were seeing all the all the adventures that people were going on. That's really cool. Jim, you have to get us that channel set up ASAP in our, in our oh, Slack. Oh, yeah. And then you need to repost that one picture from me taking that call with uh, with you on the beach. That was okay. Deal. Yeah, like you were at home, I was on the yeah. beach, and I took a picture of me dialing in the yeah, call from the beach. That was awesome. This past summer. That was awesome. <laughs> right. Cool. Um, yeah. Jim, do you have any last-minute questions before we kind of wrap up here? No, I think we I think we hit everything I had kind of stubbed out. Um, this has been an amazing conversation. Nicholas, definitely appreciate the time and, and joining us. Thank um, you. It, it's been a really fun conversation to be a part of. Yeah, and we'll we'll do a we'll do a wrap up. We'll do a post on this uh, for those people that are listening that want to learn more about you, uh, your company, Chili Piper, what you're doing. We'll we'll get that all linked up. Um, so if people want to learn more, uh, we'll we'll have that that information there as well. But to echo Jim, this has been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you joining us today. That was good. Thank you. All right, cool. Thank you both, and uh, catch you both later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.